Welcome to Autism Elements Podcast. My name is Natalia. I am a full-time special education curriculum program specialist and consultant. I want to share my experiences in special education from working in the sixth largest district in the United States. From being a social worker to classroom assistant to teacher and now working at the district level. I want to give you strategies and best practices to create successful environments for individuals with disabilities. So if you're looking for actionable steps, inspiration, and are ready to create an impact, you're in the right place. Let's get started. Welcome guys to another podcast episode for Autism and Exceptional Learner Elements. Today, joining us is Naomi Church from the company Growing Minds Consulting, and she used to be an old coworker of mine here in the sixth largest district of Broward County Public Schools. So Naomi, I wanna start by thanking you for joining us today. We're actually gonna be using this both as our YouTube video and our podcast. So I'll be sharing her information below and in the feedback and bio for our podcast. So I'm gonna go ahead and get started. And Naomi, tell us about yourself and your company. Thank you so much for having me today, Natalia. I'm super excited to be here. Uh, Yeah, so I spent almost 20 years in public education, but now I'm an educational consultant and mostly what I do is work with schools and districts around making learning inclusive and equitable for all, usually taking a look at the universal design for learning framework. I do a lot of work with how to universally design professional learning. So I work with organizations on how they're delivering their professional development for teachers so that they're actually modeling what it is that they want teachers to do, right? So it's do as I do, not like do as I say. Um, And that is probably the, the piece of what I do that I get most excited about. Um, I used to be a teacher and then I was a curriculum coach and then I worked for the district and I even worked for a discretionary project under the Florida State Department of Education. But now I love that I have the opportunity to work with schools and districts internationally. So tell us what is the name of your company and when you got started? So my company is Growing Minds Consulting, and we started just about two years ago, maybe three years ago. (laughs) It's been kind of a a whirlwind. And uh, now, just in, in the past couple of years, we've had the opportunity to work with state departments of education, work with some schools in other countries and it's really expanding and growing and it's exciting. Awesome. I am so thankful to join you. I know you are definitely an expert in UDL and I have had the pleasure of joining your trainings. I have worked alongside with you. So I wanted to take this opportunity, especially through the podcast and even in YouTube, to talk to others about that UDL. So so this is your expert area. I'm gonna let you tell the teachers a little bit more about that UDL and, and the things that you know and share your expertise. All right, well, thank you. So UDL stands for Universal Design for Learning, and it is a framework. 
basically. And it's not actually new. It's been around for quite a while. But as I get into schools and districts, I find that there's still a lot of people who are very unfamiliar with this framework. So one of my favorite authors on UDL is Katie Novak. Uh, she's written a lot of great, easy to read books that you can pick up. And she always gives an example of the buffet. So if you imagine that you're throwing a dinner party and you invite all of these people and they all have diverse dietary needs, right? Maybe you have somebody who's a vegetarian. My own daughter decides she's a vegetarian like every couple of months or so. Um, maybe you have somebody who's on a keto diet. Maybe you have somebody who's gluten-free, somebody who's diabetic, right? There's it can be endless, the dietary restrictions. So one way to meet everybody's needs would be to make everybody their own individual meal. That way you can ensure that they're getting exactly what they want, right? If you're a vegetarian, here's your special meal without meat. And while this would meet everybody's needs, it would be so much work and you would probably never wanna throw another dinner party ever again. So what if instead of making everybody their own meal, which is essentially the food equivalent of differentiated instruction, right? Here's what you need. I'm going to give you exactly what you need. What if instead of doing that, we put out a buffet and then you can choose what's best for you. And this is really what universal design for learning is. So we know that the learners that we have in any classroom are going to be diverse, right? We can count on diversity in learners, even if we have a special education self-contained class, there's diversity among all of the learners. Even if we have a gifted class, there's diversity among all of the learners. No two people are gonna learn exactly the same. And it's really hard and exhausting to try and meet everybody's learning needs and give them exactly what they need at exactly the right time. So what if instead we put out this buffet of learning options and we teach our students to be independent and make the right choices to capitalize on their own strengths and do what's going to work best for them? I really like that concept, how you turned it, you know, or, or I think it's Katie, you got it from, but the whole idea of buffet. And I think the biggest thing that I'm, I mean, I love that because I'm all about differentiation and you know that I work from the special programs and I love the self-painting classrooms and you're right, especially nowadays, our gaps are so big and kids come from different variety of needs. But I think one of the keys too, is like you said, is giving them the choices. So instead of you always directing as a teacher, I like the idea that we're going to start teaching our students to have options, but learn how to apply those options that benefit them. So it's, it's very interesting to look at it from, I'm always good with food relationship things because I love food. So. Same, same, yeah. Um, so differentiated instruction, the choices are managed by the teacher, but with universal design for learning, the choices are managed by the student. And there's definitely a place for both. We can start with universal design at tier one, offer up choices, allow students to learn what they're good at and go from there, right? But we're always going to have a couple of students who don't know what their own strengths are or who don't make the appropriate choices. 
And for those students, we can go in and differentiate and help them learn to make the right choices. Absolutely. I like that. You're right, because there is a big difference. And I think that's where people are not understanding how UDL comes into the picture. Absolutely. It's a lot more manageable to differentiate for a handful of students than it is to try to do it for the whole class especially if we think about our middle and high school teachers who may see over 100 students in a single day, right? Yeah. Knowing that many students that deeply is really difficult. But with universal design, we don't have to know exactly where every single student is at. We just need to anticipate what the barriers are to learning and then design for that. So for example, I was in the classroom for 10 years. I taught in low SES areas and I taught in very affluent areas as well. And every single year that I taught, regardless of what grade or subject, I had students who were reading below grade level. Always. Yeah. That's a barrier that I can anticipate. I can anticipate having kids who are not going to be able to read the textbook I put in front of them. I could anticipate having kids who are going to struggle with attention, whether they had a diagnosis or not, right? So as teachers, we know what the barriers are to learning. We don't have to wait for a test to come back to tell us. We can plan for these barriers and be proactive instead. I really like that concept of being proactive because you're right. That is the world we live in, and especially I think after COVID, the gaps are even bigger. You know, we had kids who were at home doing e-learning. We had kids who did half and half. And then we had kids who, again, you have to think about it. It's been two years that there were almost some of those kids at home. Coming back to the real world, teaching online was never the same as it was teaching in person. So I think being that proactive, and I like how you say, we're not, we don't need that disability label just to know that we have to apply it. This is really best practice. And I think UDL does make it a little bit easier to target, like you say, you don't have to know every kid by heart. Um, in my life, it was a little bit easier, but I taught elementary level. And, you know, it, it puts it into perspective when you bring up to me, think of the middle school and high school teachers who have like 120 kids. I was having a hard time with 12. Definitely, at, you know, multiply that times 10. It's just not happening. So you're right. We do have to find smarter ways to address the deficiencies and the barriers that they are there. We cannot go blind and say, they're not because we all know it. And you're right. We're always going to have that kid who, you know, has attention issues, who, you know, you're right, is reading the low grade level and it's becoming our norm, which is really crazy to think about it. Yeah, for sure. Some common misconceptions around UDL are that it's a special ed thing and it's not. Universal design for learning, it's universal. It's meant for everybody, for gifted students, for English language learners, for any learners, even adult learners, not just kids. So it's not something that we just apply in a self-contained class. This is something that we should be taking a look at for all kids in all learning settings. And then even, like I said earlier, in professional development for teachers, their learning opportunities should be universally designed. And it's not a checklist either. I get that a lot too. We're like, I checked it off. I UDL'd it. Like that's really not a thing. It's not just a box to check. Part of the deal with universal design for learning 
is being an expert learner. That's the ultimate goal is to create expert learners. And expert learners are never finished learning. There's always something that can be improved upon and done better. So while we're universally designing lessons, there's always something else that can be done that we can add on. In the webinars that I do for teachers, I mean, there's sometimes 10 minutes before I get an idea and I'm like, oh, this visual is so much better. And I'm going in and tweaking it at the last second to make sure it's the best it can possibly be. Absolutely. And you're so right. I think that's the biggest thing. And I, and I think you and I have had this discussion before where I feel like we can teach out of anything and we can learn out of everything, but it never, you never stop learning. I mean, even now in, in doing the things that you and I are doing, you know, me with Autism Elements and you with your, your company, it's always an, a learning role. Like it never stops. And you're right. I, I laugh because I've done the same thing where like last minute I'm like, oh, wait, we need to change this. This is so much better than what you had. And people don't realize that behind the scenes, how crazy we're going to make sure that we address it because you're right. We don't just stop needing all these things like UDL. It's, it's a lifelong thing that could be applied in our work life, in our I mean, our lives and, and how we learn and how our students learn, it's, you know, it, it just never ends. It's, it's just funny because I so relate to that in so many different levels. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So um, you can check out more about UDL and the actual framework at udlguidelines.cast.org. The full framework is there. It's a lot. But if you break it down, there's basically three main principles, and they are engagement, representation, and action and expression. So we can fit everything into these three buckets, really. And I always recommend starting with engagement because the other elements are less effective if the learners aren't actually engaged in the learning. Yes, absolutely. This is my biggest conversation. I tell everybody, I'm like, if you don't have students engaged, they're not going to learn. Like you need to have engagement means attention, really, in an essence, they're attending to you. But could you give just at least some examples of these different principles, just so people could get a better understanding what they kind of look like? I know it's not going to be the whole thing because it is a lot. Um, and I agree with you. I definitely recommend checking out the site, which I will list below but I want you guys to get an understanding of where each principle leads. Yeah, so with engagement, we're not just talking about bells and whistles, you know, games, gamified learning, like that's great, don't get me wrong, that's great. But with UDL, we look at deeper engagement. So that, um, that student-teacher relationship, mm -hmm. right? Building that relationship makes students engage. Rita Pearson has a great TED talk called Every Kid Needs a Champion. And yes. she says, kids don't learn from people they don't like. And that's the truth. <laughs> that it's something that we think of as like soft or, or like fluffy, but it's so vital that the kids need this connection to their teacher in order to care what it is that the teacher has to say. Absolutely. And you know what? You're so right. I, lo I love that. I know which one exactly you're talking about, but you're right. You're always going to remember that teacher you didn't like. I don't care how old you get. 
you always remember. As a matter of fact, I just said that and I guarantee you picture that person and their name right on your head. Like you will always remember, but you also always remember the one teacher that made that impact in your life. You know, like like Frida says, that champion in your life as an educator who impacted you. And it's because of all these little things, connection being one of the primary ones. Absolutely. Yeah, so looking at engagement, we're, we're really looking at that connection. And then we also look at minimizing threats and distractions. So there are things in the learning environment that can be really distracting for some learners and being able to proactively identify what those are and remove them. It could be as simple as visual overload. You've walked into classrooms where there's like 6,000 posters on the wall it looks like the teacher store threw up in there and like as an adult who does not have a disability i'm overwhelmed and i don't i don't know where to look and i'm highly distracted right so when when we're looking at a five-year-old or a six-year-old like of course they cannot attend and we don't even realize that those kinds of things can be a distraction so engagement also when we're looking deeper into it deals with identifying what are some of those things that can be threatening or distracting in the learning environment and removing them mm -hmm. absolutely what's another example for those two other principles that they have so representation is really just showing things in different ways. Think of it as learning preferences. Everybody has preferences for how they learn. I have an Audible subscription and I listen to audiobooks and podcasts. Some people like videos, some like pictures, some like demonstrations, some like text and they have to read it themselves, right? So representation is about showing things in all different ways. As teachers, we tend to show things in the way that we ourselves learn best. So thinking about even if it's not the way that you learn best or it's not a representation that you like, putting it out there because it may reach a student in your room. So if I'm teaching math, maybe I have a short instructional video, maybe I have an anchor chart, maybe I have a song and the lyrics explain the concept so we can show it in all these different ways and then the third principle is action and expression and that's basically how do we get it back from students how do they show mastery or proficiency right we've shown it in all these different ways we've engaged them deeply now how do they show us that they got it and so here we want to offer up choices so that they can play off of their strengths. You have kids in your room who probably are really good talkers, but like not such good readers. So instead of having them write an essay, can they film a video or make a pretend podcast and explain the concept so that you know that they understand the concept, they can use the strengths that they have and not let their weaknesses stop them. That is so true. I mean, I think um, one of the things I learned the most in the pandemic was I think it opened a door for different modalities of, of students uh, expressing themselves in honesty. Um, and I can't remember there was this app where the students did, like you said, many videos. And the feedback I was getting from teachers as I was, you know, supporting them and coaching them is the increased engagement they got and participation with this particular app where they could record themselves were amazed. I was like, I, you know, we never thought about it, but technology does 
I feel like technology really has opened doors with the ways that we can apply these concepts from UDL in a different principle. So it, it's very interesting to hear this way because I think people don't know enough about UDL. And and you, I think it was universal at first. Like I thought everybody knew about it, but the more I help teachers and coach them, they're really not understanding the, the difference, like you said, between differentiation and UDL principles. But it is such a great tool to utilize within your classrooms. Absolutely. So it's really, really amazing. Yeah, and it can be a lot. If you just take a look at the whole framework, it can sometimes seem overwhelming. Uh, but I like to tell people, just pick one thing to start with, whether it's one element like just engagement, I'm gonna focus in on engagement and reducing those barriers or just representation. I'm gonna look at my lessons and think about how I can show things in some different ways. So you don't have to do everything at once. Pick one thing that you can start with and change tomorrow. Absolutely. Um, can you tell them, I know there's, um, and I don't know if it's still available. I remember when I used to go to the UDL page, there was that little mini flyer that to me is like, it was a great visual for me as a teacher and educator to share. So I can, you know, I'm a visual person too. So I like pictures and, and both the text. So it was a great reminder of like what each principle meant. Do you know which one I'm talking about? Yeah, so that's the actual guidelines document. When you go to the CAST website, and I know you're going to link it, and you look at the UDL guidelines, that's what you're talking about. It's color-coded by principle, so green, blue, purple, they're different colors, and then you can also look at that chart horizontally in rows. So the top is going to be accessibility. It's going to be your starting places, the easiest items for you to start implementing. And then as you get down, it gets deeper and deeper into it. And then that chart even explains that the goal is creating expert learners and then goes more into that. So it's great because it's color coded, it's split up really nicely. You can like pick elements to focus in on yeah. yeah, I like what you said. I, I think, you know, whenever we get new content or we learn about a new concept, we want to just take it all and like just run with it. But you're right. Just start with one process and then keep adding on. Um, we can't become experts in anything in one day. Rome was not built in one day. So we have to just take one step at a time and then start adding or, you know, like focus on one principle, like she said and then start kind of going and tearing it apart. Like, what can you change, you know? And maybe another time in the future, then once you've gotten a handle of that principle, add the next principle. I mean, I just think it is a great way to do best practice in general. And, and you know, that particular tool, I, I said, I want to make sure that I remember to talk about it because it, it's the one go-to that I always go to when it comes to UDL. And if I forget something, I'm like, wait, let me go back to that particular flyer that they have, the guidelines that are really going to help me out, so. What else you got for us on UDL? Anything else you want to add? I think that's really the important stuff to start with. Definitely take a look at the framework. Pick a spot where you can dig in. And once you experience success with that, that fuels it, right? It feels so good when we're successful, when we reach new kids. And it's going to make you want to dig in even more and keep going. And if I can support you in that journey, I know Natalia is going to include all of my contact information. You're welcome to reach out to me as well. 
Absolutely. So I always like to wrap up, um, you know, and give something that teachers can also take back. I mean, I think we have discussed um, many different cool things that they can apply in their classroom with UDL, but if you had to give them one tip they can take today, what would it be? Just remember that variability is the norm, not the exception. You have to walk into every lesson, every situation, knowing that all of your students are different. They don't engage the same way. They don't learn from the same representations and they don't have the same strengths. So if we know that all students are different and we operate from that paradigm, it changes the way that we teach and it changes the way that we interact with them. And this goes for adult learners sitting in a professional development all the way to preschool. Yes, it does. You're right. I mean, I'm still kind of lingering on the when you said 120 for middle school and high school. <laughs> I, yeah, I don't know if I can handle that. I'm still stuck on that number. So I, I just want to take the time to thank you again for taking the time to join us today. If you need an expert in UDL, Naomi is your person. Her company, again, is Growing Minds Consulting. And I'm going to link all the information below for you guys to have access to her website, her Facebook page, any way that we can reach out to Naomi. And I will also include the UDL page that she was referencing to. Um, I hope you guys have learned something today. Naomi, before we wrap it up, I don't know if you want to say anything else, but I'm super happy to have you here anytime I work with you. So. <laughs> Thank you so much. This was a lot of fun and I'll take any opportunity I can get to talk more about universal design for learning. So thanks for giving me the opportunity and yeah, I'm sure we're going to collaborate again soon in the future. Absolutely. All right, guys, thank you so much for watching or listening to us. Remember, we are available in many, many different social media. Um, so make sure you connect with us and I hope you guys have a wonderful holiday season. Bye, guys. If you enjoyed this episode, share it with a friend. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast to stay up to date with our most recent content. I would love to hear your feedback and comments. Feel free to post questions and thoughts. See you on the next podcast.